I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 100 of the podcast. Happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, it has been a privilege to be here with you for 100 episodes now, and I am grateful and thankful for each and every listener out there. Uh, This has been such an amazing experience for me. If you are listening for the first time, welcome aboard here. I am a 38-year-old father of four children, married to an amazing woman for the last 14 years. And this podcast is not about me. I may talk briefly from time to time about what's going on with my kids and my family. But this podcast is about celebrating fatherhood and family values. I firmly believe that if we put the focus in this country back on the family unit, we will be living in a much better society. And I am trying to do this by bringing in high-profile, successful first-class fathers from all walks of life, everybody from Hall of Fame football players to Navy SEALs to best-selling authors, and allowing them to talk about their fatherhood journeys and give us a chance to learn from their experience to become better dads and to hear just how awesome it is to be a father. And I have really had a lot of great takeaways from all of these dads coming on the podcast now. And if you go back through the archives of the last 100 episodes, there is a ton of valuable information given out by all these amazing dads. So please go back and and download these episodes and take a listen to what all these awesome men have to say about fatherhood, family life, family values. It's truly some awesome content on there, guys. So please check it out and pass the word around about it. And today is no different. I have an awesome guest lined up for you guys today. He is a man who went from being broke to being worth over $400 million. Ed Milet will be joining me here in just a minute, so please stick around for the interview. And coming up next week, I'm going to hit you guys with a couple of episodes before I break it off for Thanksgiving. I will have a very well-known and successful actor, Max Martini, who has starred in movies such as uh, Saving Private Ryan, Captain Phillips, and 13 Hours. Uh, Also joining me next week will be a first-class father who has such an inspirational story. He is a former police officer who was involved in an accident that left him with burns to over 40% of his body. Uh, Jason Schechterly will be here with me, so lock it in. I have some good content coming out right before the holidays. Please subscribe and tell every father that you know about the podcast here. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here. All right. So I'm going to smack you guys with a quick little spot here and I will be right back with Ed Milet. I'm Alec Lace and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a first-class father. 
He is an entrepreneur and peak performance expert. He is the founder of a management consulting showbiz company in Laguna Beach, California. He is a business leader and well-known keynote speaker. It is a great privilege for me to say, Ed Milet, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. It is a privilege to be with you. Okay, let's do this. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have two children. My son is 16, about to turn 17 in a month, and my daughter, Bella, is 15. Awesome. What type of sports or activities are they into? Son is a golfer, very competitive, probably going to be a Division One golfer. My daughter is a volleyball player, and um, both of them are well, – my son's a 4-4 GTA student, so he's a really good student. My daughter, who's probably naturally brighter, is about a 3-6 GPA, so they're both good kids. Very cool. Now, do you get involved with coaching at all with the kids, or do you kind of uh, stay away from that and cheer them on from the sideline? That's a good question. I learned, I was a baseball player. I played college baseball and a little bit afterwards, and I've never, uh, I've not coached either of their teams, and, and the reason for that is I just didn't want there to be a bunch of pressure on their kids, and then when it came to golf, he quickly started to beat me, so it was <laughs> obvious that, that I could not help him in that other than just encouraging him and getting him good coaches, and my daughter, who plays volleyball, I'm 5'11", and the average dad here in Laguna Beach is about 6'6". Six, six. That's not a joke, by the way. The other dads, because they all played volleyball, so I sort of know my place. My place is to encourage and clap, not to coach. <laughs> okay. All right, Ed, please. Take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what it is that you do. Uh, my background is I, I, uh, I've been an inspirational speaker and sort of life strategist, a coach for a long time. I built a I helped build a very large financial services company that's got uh, roughly about 50,000 agents in it. And then I've parlayed that into my own podcast, my own show. I've written a book that's out. And so I do a lot of mental programming, peak performance stuff with athletes, um, many well-known professional athletes that you would know work with me on that stuff. And um, and now I've sort of moved that into you know the stuff I've taught to those athletes all these years. I now teach to everybody through my podcast and my audios and my social media stuff. Awesome, Ed. All right, one thing I talk about on the podcast quite a bit is that it seems like there is an attack in this country on the family unit, on family values, uh, through the movies, through TV and the media. So I think it's important for the young men to hear uh, some successful people talking about their fatherhood experiences. So how has fatherhood changed your perspective on life? Oh, my God, it altered my entire life. By the way, I agree with you about uh, the attack. Um, it changed my life because my life stopped being just about me and my life became about other people. And that transcends just my family now. My life's now about other people, not just, I'm talking about the general public. You know, I changed my whole perspective. Uh, frankly, it probably confirmed my faith beyond anything in my life because there's just no way there isn't a God for me to love these children as much as I did immediately upon seeing them. And so it changed my life. It confirmed my faith and probably strengthened it when I doubted it. And it changed because I got out of my own way finally, man. I finally like, wow, I love serving other people. I love making a difference in other people's lives. That's the one thing that never gets boring, never gets old. And that started with my children. And obviously, they're the highest priority and the people whose lives I want to be the most involved with. So it completely changed me from probably being a little bit of a selfish, egotistical jerk into a slightly less selfish less egotistical jerk. I can't say for sure that I've, I've lost all of those things, but they've certainly been reduced because of the blessing of my kids. 
Well said. All right, you are very popular on social media, and I think this world would be a much better place if more teenagers were following guys like you instead of some of these noisy accounts that are on there that are posting a lot but really have little to no value at all. And let's face it, social media is an addiction. It's today's version of the cigarette, in my opinion. So how can we get our kids to use the Internet as a tool to grow rather than a vice that's shrinking their brains? Well, that's going to define the world, what you just described, because it is an addiction. There's so much negative there, uh, the imaging, the messaging, the hero worshiping, uh, all of it. And so for me with my kids, we've just discussed what it, what it should be used for. And what I talk to my kids about all the time, both my kids have become really big readers of personal development stuff and self-improvement like you and I were talking before we went live here. And so I've just told my kids, you are who you associate with, period. And that, not, that extends beyond who you hang out at school with it extends to who you hang out with on social media because these are associations and so i monitor who they follow and i may seem like aggressive with a 16 and a 15 year old but i monitor that i've told them listen you hang around that kind of crap you listen to that kind of stuff that's who you become and so we constantly talk about the power of association that you are the five people you hang around the most but you're also you become a product of the five worst people you're also in association with too and you're going to be judged by that and so the only thing I've tried my best to do with my kids, and this is not easy at all, is to encourage them. I don't care who your friends follow or what they're into. I care who you follow and what you're into. And for me, who you follow on social media is a friend. In my mind, they're an influence on you. And so, and they're a reflection of who you are. And I show my kids. I've got, say on Instagram, for example, I've got, I don't know, 825,000 followers, let's say. I follow like 120 people. That's it. And I tell them why. This is my family, and these are people that I believe in, that I look up to, or that I know personally. I do not follow people who represent anything that I don't want to be representing or I want to be influenced by. So that's sort of the one shift I've made with them as I look at their social media as their friends. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. I believe it was uh, Les Brown who said, uh, your network determines your net worth. And, and that ties right into what you're saying there about uh, it's important to watch who you're hanging around with. And I think social media is still so new that parents kind of look at it like it's a gimmick and they don't really take it serious, as serious as they should be, and pay attention to who our children are following, what they're watching, and what's uh, being absorbed into their minds. Can I give you one little thing I do with my kids as well? Because it is an addiction, so I want to leverage the addiction. I'll give everybody a tip here. The average person checks their smartphone 155 times a day. Now, can you believe that? Now, in my case, I know that's wrong. It's probably for me, it's more like 455, and that's no exaggeration. And so every time you walk in a restaurant, you walk in somewhere, what do you see kids on or adults on their phone checking it? They can't even go minutes without checking it. So I've made my kids, this seems cheesy, but my kids, their screensaver on their phone are their goals. Because I can't get them not to look at their phone. I'm not with them all the time. So I've got them to put their screensaver down, their goals. So when they click on their phone to put their code in, the first thing they see 155 times a day or what their goals are right now. And so you've got to leverage. This be one of the best tips for your audience ever, for the dads out there. You want to, you can try to modify their behavior, or you can try to leverage it for their good. And so make them put their dadgum goals, their grades, their ambitions, their goals, their college goals, whatever they are, and whatever their age is, on their phone as their screensaver. And imagine them looking at that 155 times a day, 255 times a day, 300 times a day, over a month, over three months, over a year, over two years, and they've been looking at their goals several thousand times, you know how that impacts behavior. You know as an adult, it's even more powerful with a child. And so that's a big tip I have for the dads out there with their kids on their phones. 
Wow, yeah, I think that is uh, brilliant, and I'm definitely going to apply that right away. And one thing that I think is very encouraging to see with the technology is that I was telling you before, I hustle a little Uber on the side on the weekends, and this generation of college kids, they're not drinking and driving anywhere near, unfortunately, as much as my generation of kids did. So it's great to see them using the technology for that. But on the flip side of that, once they get in the car, there's no talking, just illuminated faces. Uh, so there is a breakdown in communication skills as a result of all this. Profound. Well, also their social skills. So there's two skills. There's communication skills, and then they're just basic social skills. Looking somebody in the eye, shaking their hand, you know, actual eye contact and engagement with people. And I could not. So the other thing, as parents, we have to work harder on those skills than our parents did. And you're right. I do think kids use fewer drugs. They're less, even promiscuous sexually, less than when I was a kid, even though it's still prevalent. It's not like my wife and I were high school sweethearts. And if I compare what I was doing when I was in high school to what I know my children are doing now, there just is a difference, right? But the truth of the matter is you've got to work even harder on their ability to, because here's the thing. In life, they're going to get ahead in life to the extent that they can engage and communicate and influence people, right? And it's the skill that is the least developed in the history, yeah, at least as long as I've been alive, it is the least developed skill now in kids because you don't have to have it because they're in that phone all the time, as you said. So it's little things. I mean, as a dad, I'm watching. I know all the dads do this, but it's, it's stuff that you, stuff you forget. My son, I watched, hunch your shoulders back. Make eye contact. When you shake that guy's hand, don't step backwards. Step towards him, right? There's little things I spill with my son, and it drives him nuts. But I watch it all the time. I tell my daughter, Bella, you smile. You say, yes, sir, thank you. You work on these things with your kids. It should be stuff you shouldn't have to work on by the time they're teenagers. But you're going to find you're going to have to. Being a parent is being constantly vigilant on the things they're slipping on. In other words, just because your kid had it together at 8 years old, believe me when I tell you, doesn't mean those things stay the same when they're 12, 14, and 16. All the dads of teenage kids are nodding their heads right now because you have to stay vigilant while they're in your care because stuff can slip so quickly and so easily. Yeah, that's some great advice right there. And, and watching some of your videos on social media, you seem like a very well-disciplined individual. But how are you as the disciplinarian when it comes to your kids? Wow. Wow. Um. I should be, I have, I'm glad you asked that because we get real answers, right? Real answer, I was better before than I have been lately. And I think, I think you have to be careful as a dad to get what I'd call like just parent fatigue, if you know what I mean. And, and I think recently maybe I've allowed a little bit of my parenting fatigue. I'm really glad you asked that. I think a little bit of my parenting fatigue, um, to let a little bit more rope be waned by my kids than they should have, and for no other reason than my own fatigue and laziness on the topic. And so I, I would tell you that I am a disciplinarian. One of the challenges I've had, like a lot of guys might relate to, is I'm, I believe in a whole lot of discipline, and for many, many years it just wasn't how my wife was raised. And so there was a little bit of a difference in the way we disciplined the kids. And I would say now as they become teenagers, she's the more vigilant one, and I'm the more passive one. So it's something that I need to improve on is just – Staying on it, because I've only got them a couple more years, you know, and so I, I need to give them my best effort on that. So my answer is I'm a disciplinarian, but it's an area, if there's an area that dad I need to improve, that's the area right there. All right, it is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. 
yeah, hey, I'm right there with you, Ed. My oldest is 12, as I was telling you before, and we are a few months away from having a teenager in the house for the first time. So our discipline style is changing as we change and grow and develop to try to become better parents. And as I say on the podcast often, I am not trying to be a better father than anyone other than the father I was yesterday. And discipline is definitely something that I am working on as well. That's a great point because it's an art, right? And so I want to create, I don't want, I went to college and all the people that went to college would tell you this, like the kids who came from the craziest disciplined homes, I mean, just super strict. I watched it. I don't mean this disrespectfully, but they were the kids who went the nuttiest when they got away from their parents. So I've always wanted to keep this balance of them making their own decisions, yet in, in certain restricted confines. And so I think maybe I've just got a little bit too liberal with a little bit of that stuff recently. I want them to be their own person, make their own decisions at the same time. I'm their parent for a reason, and their guardian for a reason. And it's a good reminder just you asking me that question. <laughs> All right. I was watching one of your videos recently where you speak about how um, we deserve more in life than we think we do. And I believe you were using a, a pizza pie as an example in the video, saying that uh, we don't think we deserve more than a couple of slices. Uh, so how do we kind of get our kids to understand that, yes, they deserve the best, but it's also a service to others that leads to true happiness as well? Yeah, the point I was making is that a good person won't take any more from any endeavor in life than they think they're worthy of or that they deserve. An unethical person will, and they can actually win short term, but we all know you reap what you sow. And so, uh, but so a good person in life is going to be, their, their success and happiness is going to be governed by their self-worth. And so I'm constantly, and I mean, this is where I'm a good dad. <laughs> okay, I'll brag about one day. I am constantly telling my children how incredible they are. Uh, I'm constantly reinforcing their greatness, constantly reinforcing their giftedness. But I always link it to doing something for someone else. So my philosophy on getting someone's self-confidence higher or their self-worth is you can't just tell them, you're awesome, you're amazing. That doesn't mean anything to somebody. But with our children, we know what their natural gifts are, don't we, because we're their parents, whether it's their math skills, communication, nurturing, speed, strength, good looks, ner- you know, articulation, kindness, intensity, passion, whatever it is. I know what my kids' gifts are. And so I'm constantly reinforcing to them their giftedness and their blessings because it's things they innately know to be true about themselves. And so that's how you really elevate your children. is isn't just generic compliments. It's telling them, pointing out things to them that they intuitively know to be true about themselves. So when I do it, I tell my son, it's your kindness, Max. You just love people. You're so good with people. You're brilliant at math. And then I link those things to him contributing to others. That's why you're going to be so amazing. If you decide to be a doctor, you'd be amazing at caring for people because you care, plus you have the science part of it, right? That's why you're such a good golfer because you don't want to beat the other guys. You just want to win yourself, right? And you're so good with the yardages and the distances. And my daughter, it's her intensity and her passion, and she's a leader. And I'm constantly telling her to live with that passion, to use that passion, to lead the team, and that she's a leader, and she can elevate the team that way. So I link their giftedness. If you're a person of faith, I believe that these are blessings and gifts from God. And so when you're pointing out your kids' natural blessings and gifts, you're actually pointing out God in them, Christ in them, if you're a Christian like I am. It doesn't matter what your faith is. But my point being, the way you elevate their self-worth is by pointing out their natural giftedness and, and then linking that gift to serving other people all the time. I'm pretty good at that. That's, that's what I'm good at right there. The other stuff, i got to get better at. But that's the area I think that I'm a, I'm a pretty good dad, and I think that they have high self-confidence and self-esteem because of it. Yeah, I love the message, Ed, and I really think that's when you touch the key. When, when you make the act of faith and you really believe that you are the ideal you're in pursuit of, 
I think that it nails it to your personality. And I'm a faith-based person as well, uh, so I agree with you 100% there. And I believe Jim Rohn's philosophy that we don't get paid for our time, we get paid for the value we bring to the marketplace. Uh, I really think there should be a how-to-accumulate-wealth class in high schools, but since there isn't, what can we do at home to teach our kids um, that it's important that they bring some value to the marketplace, even though maybe they're seeing dad is working uh, two jobs and doesn't really seem like he's very successful? Wow, great question. And I grew up with my dad did work three jobs off and on. And so the first thing is this. I think as a parent, this is a hard thing to say, so I'm just going to say it to you. you got to teach your kids that hard work pays off, not just hard work. And so I think you have an obligation eventually as a dad to win. I mean that. That's not the easy answer. But the fact of the matter is you don't want your kids to watch you for the next 50 years work hard and not win because what's going to happen is they're going to begin to believe hard work doesn't pay off. Now, the question is what's winning? Is winning being a millionaire? By some people's definitions, yes. But maybe by being, maybe winning is having a successful family. Maybe winning is getting your children educated. Maybe winning is moving to a better neighborhood someday. Maybe winning is providing for your sick parents. But you better be able to link the hard work you're doing to some kind of a win for your kids. So if it's not going to be monetary, it's got to be you pointing out to them how fortunate they are or the different good things you're doing to your point about contributing to others earlier. I agree. There should be a class on uh, on bringing value to the marketplace. What I tell my kids all the time is I don't care what they do. If they want to be school teachers, if they want to be a cab driver, if they want to be in construction, they want to be a lawyer, uh, they want to be an entrepreneur, whatever it is they want to be. But whatever they're going to have to do, if they're going to be happy, they have to be using those gifts we talked about earlier, right? That's number one. And number two, it has to be in the service of other people because that's the only thing that's ever going to fill them up. If they chase money, they chase a car or a jet or whatever they chase. That stuff is temporary happiness. It's not permanent fulfillment. And so I'm constantly talking to my kids about bringing value to people. And I tell them all the time, you will eventually be rewarded with what you're worth. You'll eventually be rewarded with what you bring to the market, what you bring to the world. You've got to do it, though, because it comes from a good place, not to get the reward. That's the mistake that's being taught in the world today is, I better upgrade my value so I become rewarded. No, you ought to bring your value because you want to make change. The reward is a byproduct of it. So I work on that with my kids all the time. It's something that it's our main conversation when we go to dinner as a family. Is the exact topic you just asked about is what are they bringing to the table? What are they worth? What are they contributing? How are they getting better? And I always tell them all the time that pays off. Now I've been able to prove that to them financially. My dad be able to prove to me that hard work paid off by raising four great children, by still being married to the same woman after 50 years. Right? That's how my dad proved to me hard work paid off. But you better be proving to them that it pays off, because otherwise they watch your example and they don't see you happy. They don't see your family flourishing. They don't see you getting ahead financially. Or they don't see you just in a passionate, loving family. They're going to believe that hard work is what took away from your happiness. Oh, dad works all the time. That's why him and mom don't get along. Dad works all the time and things aren't improving financially. Dad works all the time and that's why he misses all my gains. And they begin to link to it, hard work doesn't pay off. So you as a dad, your number one role is show them it pays off somewhere. Family, financially, progress, time with them, happiness, contribution, charity, faith, church, somewhere it better be paying off. Wow, yeah, well said, Ed. That is some powerful stuff. Um, all right, please tell my listeners what you have coming up and how they can connect with you and hear more about you. Uh, best place to probably follow me is on social media, like on Instagram at Ed Milet, M-Y-L-E-T-T. I've got edmilet.com. The one thing I would give your audience, and it's totally free, is I do have a book called Max Out Your Life. 
And it's not a sales pitch. This is totally free, and there's no upsell. Like when you get the free book, there's no seminar to go through or anything. It's just the free book. So if you go to uh, maxoutbook.com, and if you put in the code maxout for your listeners, the book's free. I think you got to ship it, which is like a buck or something. I don't know, depending on where you live. And then that's it. There's no upsell or anything like that. I just love you to have the book. It's got all kinds of my strategies, my tips, my routines, insights into life and family and some of the things we discussed today, too. So that would be cool for your listeners just to get a free book if they want. Awesome. I will definitely be including that link along with the promo code in the description of this podcast episode. So, guys, please don't miss out on that opportunity. Just tap the link and check it out. Last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Ed, I love to ask all the dads I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for the new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? You need to be the example that you want your children to become. And if you're a new dad, I want you to hear me on this. There's nothing that you will do with your time that is more valuable than spending some of it with your precious children. And that when you get to the other side, when your children are getting older like mine are, you will regret the moments you didn't spend with them. And so if you got to work three jobs, that's wonderful. Let me just give you some advice, brothers. When you're home, be present. When you're at that home, you be present. You engage with them. You look them in the eye. You spend your time with them. I don't think being a dad is about the amount of hours you spend with them, but I do think it's how important they feel when they're with you, that when they are in your presence, that they're the most important thing in the world to you. Nothing you will do, no words you will tell your kids will replace the actions that you take in front of them, the example that you set before them. And the one thing your kids want to be is the most important thing in the world to you. It's the most important thing to them is that they're the most important thing to you. And you do that by giving them your undivided attention when you're in their presence. Because we're all busy dads. We're all trying to provide. We're all doing multiple things. We're trying to put food on the table. We're trying to move our families forward. And I think the mistake that can be made in all that hustle, because I know you're a hustler, I'm sure as heck a hustler, is that sometimes when we're home, we're not home. You know, we're on our phone. We're looking away. We're distracted. We're in la-la land. We're worrying about our problems. And every time we do that, we're telling them that whatever we're thinking about is more important than they are. So as a new dad, I would tell you, make sure they know they're the most important thing in the world to you when they're in your presence. That would be my advice. Man, I love the message. Ed Milet, everybody, this is my 100th episode today, so I just want to say thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on First Class Fatherhood. My pleasure. God bless you. Congratulations on 100. Good luck on the next 100. All right, I will be right back after a quick spot. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Ed Milet for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was pretty cool. Please hit me up on Twitter. Drop me a DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to hear your feedback. And that's it, folks. A hundred episodes are now in the books. And I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there who have continued to shower me with support over the last hundred episodes. It has been an awesome ride. And I am definitely looking forward to the next 100 episodes and improving this podcast and making it much better, trying to interact more with you listeners out there and get you guys involved. Uh, I'd love to hear your stories, your messages as well, so uh, I am a work in progress here. I welcome any and all suggestions that you guys have, so please feel free to hit me up. I got a new email address that's up there, firstclassfatherhood at gmail.com. Drop me a line on there anytime, and I would love to interact with you guys. So uh, that's it, guys. 100 episodes are down. Join me here on Monday for episode 101. 
I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.